Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. That was a whole lot of fun again time. It's, uh, it's not like it's the exact same thing that's been happening all the time time. I don't know. It's way too late in the night for me to be creative time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio at a time that uh, Grant Ramey and I during basketball season refer to as butthole o'clock, basically. It's about what time of the day it is. That's going to happen with these late games. Uh, for those of you who uh, missed the or had the podcast earlier in the day, there was good news for Tennessee. Uh, th- this 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 not so good news. Tennessee goes down to the plains of Auburn, Alabama, drops a thirty to seventeen game to the twenty third ranked Tigers. Here to discuss that with me is coworker Ryan Callahan from across town. If I could just hit this button and bring him on, Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, Wes, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going super, Ryan. Super duper. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm sure all Tennessee fans are feeling about the same way. Yeah, listen, uh, there's a lot that we can talk about and a lot we will talk about with this game. Uh, but again, we're going to be having just another chapter in the same book of the same story we've been talking about for a long, long time, which is, what is going on with Tennessee at the quarterback position? Why is this happening again and again? Tennessee goes down to Auburn, outgains Auburn, not by a small margin either. Outgains Auburn 464 to 385 in total offense. Eric Gray, sophomore running back, puts up 222 yards of offense and a touchdown on 25 touches. Uh, Tennessee throws for more yards than Auburn, runs for more yards than Auburn, is better on third and fourth down than Auburn and loses by multiple scores to Auburn. And it's not just Jared Garantano the reason for that, but when you lose a game by 13 points and you have a 14-point swing on one play, that's what people are going to talk about. A 100-yard pick six that Garantano tossed to Smoke Monday in the third quarter uh, really kind of was, I don't want to say the only big point in the game because there were a few big points in the game, Ryan, but again, here we are, past five games, 
Tennessee has been, by my count anyway, I hope I'm not wrong on this, I think Tennessee's offense has been outscored by opposing defenses 21-14 to combined in the past five second halves, which is just an unbelievable number. I'll give you another unbelievable uh, set of numbers here. Tennessee had two consecutive drives in the red zone in the third quarter that ended in a cumulative loss of seven points. Tennessee also ran for more, just ran for more than 100 yards in a single quarter and was outscored 10 to nothing in that quarter. It's just, these are things that I just, if they happened anywhere else, this is what I keep telling people, if they happened anywhere else, I'd be shocked. Um, But happening at Tennessee, it's just almost kind of what we expect now, which is sort of sad to say, but maybe true. Yeah, uh, and that, that's amazing stuff. And, and you're making history now. This was the first time, as ESPN showed in the final minutes of the game, the first time in program history that Tennessee has lost five consecutive games by double digits. Now, you have to preface that with saying we're in an offensive era. Games are higher scoring now than they were in past generations and past eras. So you have to keep that perspective about it. But that's still not a good number to have. Um, five games that were essentially not decided in the final few minutes uh and you lost all of them a five game losing streak at tennessee is is relatively rare anyway uh and to have five consecutive games lost like that obviously not good so yeah you're making all sorts of history for the wrong reasons you're you're putting up some weird stats i, I think you're right on the 21 14 uh opposing defenses outscoring the offense we know the offense has only scored 14 points in the second half total during this five game losing streak um, so I, and I believe, uh, off the top of my head, three defensive scores sounds right. They've yeah, allowed, and, so. and, and that's not including the two pick sixes in the second quarter against Kentucky Yeah, and, and, and Tennessee outgained Kentucky for most of that game too. But what happened Two pick sixes, what happened in this game? A pick six. Now, Jared Garantano did not leave Anthony Schwartz wide open for a 54-yard touchdown, okay? He did not miss two field goals, which a gimpy Brent Samaglia did. So let, let's not sit here and say that this is 100% Jared Garantano's fault. That would be factually inaccurate. That would not be true. But there is no more position. Uh, there is no position on the field more important than quarterback. And Tennessee is just completely lighting games on fire at the quarterback position and you just can't win in this league doing that they are and obviously Jarrett Garantana will get you know again plenty more of the flack after this game uh and and that pick six I mean there's no way around it that that was the pivotal play in the game it changed everything like you said it was a potentially a 14 point swing but let's just say it was an incomplete pass it was still a 10 point swing even if it wasn't picked off Tennessee was kicking a field goal at best uh, on that series. So you could have gotten some points there. Instead, Auburn scores a touchdown. So a huge swing there. And, you know, Tennessee could have tied the game. Instead, they're down 10 and they never recover. So uh, just a just a brutal swing. And that's, you know, it's a it's a shame because Tennessee otherwise did a lot of good things on offense. I thought they made some on both noticeable. sides of the ball. I think Tennessee's game plan yeah. on both sides of the ball was a good game plan. And I think it was executed much more often than it wasn't. I mean, they 464 yards of total offense. I mean, it was a season high. Uh, that, you put up those kinds of numbers against most teams, you should not only win, you should, you should, it, well, I won't say you should definitely win, but you should at least be in the game. You should have a, a real chance of winning and you should score more than 17 points. And that's, that's the, the end game here uh, is that Tennessee's offense continues to not find ways to put up points and finds ways to shoot itself in the foot. And, and this is, 
again, an example of why you have to create explosive plays, which they've, they did a, they've done a better job of that here and there. And tonight I'll, I'll give Eric Gray credit. He at least had a, a 30 plus yard run on a third and what 15 on that play. We yeah. broke a 30, 33 or 34 yard run. You know, they, they made some plays like that where they were at least making some things happen, but Auburn, you know, two of the biggest plays in the game we've already referenced here, long pass to Anthony Schwartz for a 54 yard touchdown and a hundred yard pick six, two plays in that game that made up for Auburn, not having uh, a, a dominant offense at times uh, by any means. And, and without Tank Bigsby, it was a, uh, it was a, a beatable offense. I think Bigsby would have made Auburn really tough to defend in this game. Yeah. I mean, you, Tennessee- you look at these numbers, Ryan, again, I mean, Tennessee did not just, it's not just that they had 464 yards of total offense. It's that 242 were through the air and 222 were on the ground, completed 67% of passes, you know, nine of 15 on third down, one of one on fourth down, did just about everything it needed to do to win the game. But when the game is in the balance, I just don't know that I've ever seen a more unclutch team or an unclutch quarterback. And it's just... It makes it hard, man, because you do it, it. It takes so much, right? Trying to move a, you know, navigate a football team. It's kind of like trying to turn an aircraft carrier, right? Like there's so many moving parts, there's so many moving pieces, there's just so many things that have to go right. And when you make those kind of plays consistently, it just deflates the will of a team. It's just not good. Well, and and that's and that's kind of where I was getting getting at with that. Sorry, sorry, I just cut point. you off there. Oh, no. My bad, my bad. No, no, but I was just saying, I, like, like you said, so many things have to go right on a drive when you're driving the ball consistently like that. Yes, you're putting up yards, you're getting into scoring position, but everything has to go right for you to finish a drive when you're going 12, 13 plays all the time. It's just too hard to do that sometimes, especially when you're not a great offensive team, to, to have to execute that perfectly to finish a drive. So you, you need big plays to help you. You need to score the the 20 and 30 yard touchdowns uh, and the 50 yard touchdowns. And they've done, a, they've done that a few times this year, but it's not consistently enough. And so they're, you know, again, one step forward, two steps back, you know, they fi- find a way to move the ball more consistently this time. They killed themselves with missed field goals and a, a key turnover and, and a game that otherwise was, was pretty winnable. So uh, frustrating night for Tennessee uh, for fans, because this comes at the end of a, you know, now five game losing streak. It just feels like more of the same, the unfortunate part for them is it really wasn't more of the same in some ways. They really did a lot of good things in this game. And if this game had been played right after the two and zero start, he'd probably say, eh, game got away from you. Tough, tough break. You'll, you'll play better next week and you'll win. But because this comes at the end of this stretch and you still got a couple really tough games left and now an important game against Vanderbilt next week that we, that looks a lot more losable than I thought it was a few weeks ago um, with all that, it just feels like this is a, a just another not low point, but just another. Uh, it adds to the frustration of this season the fact that you did some things well and you still found a way to lose by thirteen. Yeah, in that drive, I wrote about it in, in the column after the game that I just published a few minutes ago, and it in that drive, Tennessee ran seven times on that possession. Seven yards, eight yards, nine yards, five yards, twenty-one yards, seven yards, four yards, three yards. Auburn did absolutely nothing to get in Tennessee's way on those seven running plays. And that was a nine-play drive. So you ask, what were the other two plays? Uh, One was a pass that Garantano threw that Josh Palmer, I still think he should have caught it. 
Uh, he did not get great separation, um, but the ball hit him right on the hands, and we've seen Josh Palmer make many tougher catches than that. That's a play that you need your senior number one receiver to make. He didn't make it, but that's okay. Uh, and then the other play was the pick six. So Auburn did absolutely nothing to even tr- like come close to containing Tennessee's rushing attack on that drive. And and what happened? Well, a pick six, naturally, because of course that's what happened. A 100-yard pick six. I just... Uh, and that looked like an RPO play to me. I'm not positive, but I think it was an RPO play. And I think Garantano, he pulled it and decided to throw the ball. I don't know if Palmer went the wrong way, or I don't know if there was miscommunication there, but that ball should have been thrown about 50 feet into the stadium, uh, into the stands. That just, I don't understand how that happened. And we're sitting here again. It's just like last year at Alabama. It's just like those plays against Kentucky. You're sitting there thinking, how can that happen? You know, you work so hard. And I'm talking for Garantano at this point. This is a kid who has overcome so much. He has been physically tough as any quarterback um, that I can ever remember. I think, um, you know, uh, Matt Sims uh, also took a lot of, you know, physical abuse when he was Tennessee's quarterback. And, you know, he's been, he's played through it. He's been a tough dude. He goes into the you know facility every day, clocks in, puts in a good shift. He works his tail off. He watches film. You know he studies. He tries to bond with the guys. He does everything. He works so hard, and then the bullets start flying in a game, and he just makes these decisions. And you go, what are you looking at? I just I could live to be 150 years old, Ryan, and not understand it. Yeah, it's I mean, <laughs> the quarterback position is so tough to play. Uh, I can't imagine all the things those guys go through and deal with. And and you give him a lot of credit for bouncing back yes. and showing showing the resilience, everything he's done throughout his career. But some guys – and maybe it's just – maybe he just needs a fresh start somewhere at this point. But he's just had such a rough go mm-hmm. of it, so many different ways that he's lost games, given away games, you know, suffered injuries – uh, you know, we'll, we'll look back on, on this chapter of Tennessee football and be amazed. I'm sure even years from now at just how many, how many things went wrong and how many games they lost in how many different ways, uh, during his career. I mean, we talk, we, we talk about Jonathan Crompton kind of being remembered the same way, but Tennessee fans had two years of him as the starter to really remember <laughs> it was 2008. And then he bounced back in 2009. Yep. Garantano was now over three years in, and we're still seeing a, a kind of repeating pattern. And some of it's his fault. Some of it's being on some teams that just aren't that talented. And he's obviously not a guy that's been able to elevate his teams to a to a different level like some quarterbacks can. So uh, it's just unfortunate for him, and it's unfortunate for Tennessee that they're still in the situation where, you know, frankly, he's he's been their best option for most of this well, stretch. Well, that's There's the, a reason he's still in there. That that's that's the thing I was going to ask you about. I wanted to make one more point though quickly. I I, I do not enjoy criticizing this kid. Because I know, I understand how much pressure this kid is under. I understand how difficult it is to be a quarterback at a place like Tennessee. I understand that. And I can tell you this, and I've heard this from Jeremy Pruitt so many times, not just in you know on the record, but also off the record in conversations, behind the scenes, other things. I know how hard this guy works. And I know how much he cares. He cares a ton. He works his tail off. But at the end of the day, you are what your performance says you are, and that's that that's that's where things are right now. But here's my question to you, Ryan, before we go to, to break here. If you are the quarterback who 
uh, in the coach's mind, if a coach says this guy does the best job of anyone in the program of, of getting this team ready or, or getting this team a chance to win, like this guy gives the team the best chance to win. If you get to those situations and we know exactly what's going to happen when you get into those situations, uh, are you really that guy? Is there really any difference? That that's my question. Is, is that and that's why you know. And Pruitt was asked about it after the game. He he was a little snippy. I get it. Emotional loss. Tough couple weeks for them. I, I get it, man. I get it. But how can it? How can you sit there with a straight face and say that, and, and tell people this guy gives our team the best chance to win? But when every, just about every time you get into those situations, he somehow lights the game on fire. H- how? It becomes a really hard argument to make, doesn't it? Because people don't know. People don't know for sure. They say, well, well does it matter that he's the, 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 the guy who, who gets you in the best position if you don't do anything when you get there? Does it matter? I mean, th- that's, that's where I'm wondering because people don't know what these other guys are going to do necessarily in those situations. And so naturally they're going to think, well, he, you know, obviously they'd be a better option. We don't know that. They might be right. Jared Garantano might be Tennessee's best chance to win games. But at some point, is that does that matter at this point almost? Um I yeah, I, I think that I think it's a really tough question to answer because we don't I, even Tennessee's coaches don't know the answer to this, obviously. You know, how how do you quantify because I I, I heard Jeremy Pruitt's explanation for, you know kind of elaborating tonight on, on Eric Gray's big game. And, and he had a really good performance. We should not overlook that. Had, had Correct. a great game, I thought. Um, and explaining that, he mentioned that Tennessee's offensive line played well. He mentioned that the quarterbacks got them in the right plays. And that's the kind of thing I think they're talking about as much as anything when they mention what Garantano does well. He organizes things. He gets them in the right plays a lot of times. Maybe not all the time, but at least a lot of times. That used to not be a strength of his. I think as he's gotten older, it's got it's become something he's better at. So when you compare that to what a freshman does, you know, recognizing defenses, adjusting the line, adjusting whatever on the on any certain play, and and making sure you're in the right play, is that something where having Garantano out there is worth so much that it offsets what I agree is a a knack for making the wrong play at the wrong time that Tennessee has clearly had with Jared Garantano at quarterback. Does that offset the other? I don't know. And I don't think Tennessee's coaches have a way of really knowing either until they just let Bailey go out there and play, but, and we'll get into the quarterback discussion next segment a little bit more, but I I think that's what makes it so tough to figure out what to do next is I think you really do have to make sort of a one game decision here because this Vanderbilt game is important now and we shouldn't, we shouldn't act like it's not. And Tennessee needs to play. They, they need to not just say, I know fans at this point are ready to say, screw it, I need to see something else at this point. I get that. But Jeremy Pruitt's got to worry about his own future to some degree. Tennessee needs to just get a win, period. Like, for every reason in the world, you need to win this game, and they've got to decide who allows us to beat Vanderbilt, and that needs to be the answer to that question for at least this week. And then maybe you start worrying about the future a little bit more if you can at least get a win. But I, I, I do think it's tough to say, and they probably – I think you do reach a point where you just need to try something else and you've at least seen some flashes of Harrison Bailey where how can you not be intrigued to to want to see a little bit more, even if there's a lot he doesn't know. You know what, Ryan? I absolutely one of my favorite things in the world is when we disagree. 
And I think something that you just said is something I want to disagree with. And I'm really excited to do that. But before right. we do that, but before we do that, let's go ahead and step out uh, really quickly here. Let's uh, pay some bills, listen to products, services, ads, in-house ads, other fun things. And we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio at an ungodly hour, uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, joined by Ryan Callahan from across town in his, uh, his, his clown car full of children abode, his home daycare center. We're discussing uh, picking over the bones of Tennessee's 30-17 loss at 23rd-ranked Auburn on Saturday night at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And Ryan, you just mentioned something that I I normally would very much agree with, but in this specific instance, I'm not sure I do. And you said that Tennessee has to win this Vanderbilt game because that could change things for Jeremy Pruitt and his future at Tennessee. Uh, and that's why maybe you have to think about just dealing with the, the heat you're going to get from it and starting Jarrett Garantano. I do hear that. And I do understand that, but but here's where here's where I disagree. I'm not saying that nothing the rest of this season matters because if you anytime you're Tennessee and you lose to Vanderbilt, it's bad. You're Tennessee and you lose to Vanderbilt under any circumstances, that is not a good thing. If you're Tennessee and you lose to Vanderbilt and you're a football coach, you're having a really miserable offseason. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Here's where I think. I think a little differently about this. Tennessee, I think, I'm almost certain Tennessee cannot make a coaching change this offseason. I just don't think financially right now, and people will talk about what happened with, with Muschamp. Well, this was Muschamp's fifth season. This was Pruitt's third. South Carolina has not been paying the buyout money that Tennessee has been. I think the situations are a little bit different. And do I think things look great for Pruitt right now? No, they don't. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Tennessee has lost five consecutive games by double digits for the first time in program history. I, I'm not discounting how important that is. But I think at some point, if it, it, I don't know what's worse, that or at this point putting Jarrett Garantano back out there to start a game. And I, I don't I, – I just feel different about this. I don't know why – um, but but until this moment, until this week, I still understood why you start Garantano 
because, hey, we're not there in practice every day, especially in a year like this. We've seen zero practice snaps live and in person. The world's just not allowed that this year. So things are different, and we have to take a little bit more of what we hear from people, and we, we, you know, we don't get to see it as much with our own eyes right now. So there's a lot of things we don't know. And so I've been willing to say, you know what, I understand because of what's going on with Bailey, uh, because of the fact that he enrolled in January, but then he got two spring practices, right? And then, you know, there's a weird offseason. People got to go home. Their workouts are different. Uh, then he misses time in COVID quarantine and camp. Then by the time he comes back, Tennessee is so COVID-inflicted that, or COVID-afflicted, I should say, that he doesn't get many reps in. And, and so it's kind of a lost few months for him. And, and so I understand why between that and knowing that Maurer and Shrout are probably not going to give you more um, than at this point in their career anyway, I understand why. But after seeing this again, this was a game that Tennessee just absolutely, in my opinion, should have won. When Bigsby went out of that game, Tennessee was, I think the, the game plans were good. I think the execution for the most part was good. And Things just fell apart again, and I, I just I think people need to see something different now. I really do, and I think if you put Bailey out there to start that game next week, and he just falls all over himself and and fumbles the ball and throws a you know pick six or you know you've you've seen from Garantano last season that he can come off the bench and that he is fine with that. This is a dude who's played, what, started 34, 35 games, something like that now. He's got experience. He's come off the bench some, too. I don't think it's going to affect him that much. He's proven before that it won't. I, I, I just I think this team, I think this fan base, I think the culture of Tennessee football needs to move on. I, I, I just I, – nothing good is coming from this at this point. I don't think it's helping Garantano. I don't think it's helping his teammates. I don't think it's helping Tennessee fans. I know it's not helping the coaches. I just think you – at some point you just have to make a clean break here, I think. I, that, there's a lot of truth to all of that, and, and I will say this. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I think Tennessee should start Garantano against Vanderbilt. I just think if you're doing it – there's an argument for it because I think you really do have to just, I think fans inclination is to say this season's a disaster. Just go ahead and make the change. And I get that. I, I do. It's been a rough five game stretch for Tennessee. I, I understand all that heck it's been a rough 2020 for everybody. So at this point, fans want something to cling to and the hope of going with the young, highly ranked former quarterback prospect is, is much more exciting than going with the guy that you've seen for three years that you've never seen lead to Tennessee, lead, lead Tennessee to anything more than an eight-win season. I get it, but you got to win this game. I can't stress you, you, this enough. You do, but I, but but you. I think you also have to think if you're Tennessee. I, I think you know if you're in my opinion right now. If you're Philip Fulmer and you you're pretty darn sure. First off, get well, big guy. I hope that you know everything with COVID goes goes okay with him. I, we mentioned that earlier, but I need to mention that again. That's you know he tested positive. He's been okay so far, but I, I hope that continues. You know, our, our our best thoughts go out to you. They're big guy, old blue eyes. But absolutely, I, I think if you're Tennessee and you know for sure that you can't make a coaching change, or you probably can't make a coaching change, I would go ahead and leak that information out now. And then I would let Jeremy Pruitt make a change at quarterback. 
that that's what I would think about doing because if you're Tennessee and you know you're you're pretty darn sure you're like ninety nine percent sure that you can't make a move unless something you know just you know there's some sort of off field incident or something like that or or something pops up that we don't expect you know if you gotta if you if you feel like you have to keep this commitment to this coaching staff then for recruiting purposes and for many other things go ahead and let that out there go ahead and make that comment go ahead and take the the grief you're going to get from that and that should free Jeremy Pruitt up to make a move at quarterback and let Tennessee get somebody else some experience going into next season because you know you know Garantano could come back he could be a sixth year senior next year at Tennessee because of these COVID rules this season. Now, Wes, Tennessee fans don't want to hear that. I, I know, but I know, but what, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, people, you, you have, you, if you're Tennessee staff, you just can't go into next season, I think, with this guy being your quarterback. And at some point, you have to get guys some experience. And you know what? I've said this before. I'll say it time and time again. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? A pick six? A fumble six? I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen here? You know, it's just, I, I, I just think you have to think about this big picture. And in the big picture, if you're Tennessee, I just, you just, you just can't have this guy be your quarterback next season. I don't think. I just, I don't think that works out for anybody. And, well, and, I, and I, I just, I, that's where I am. That's where I'm at with this. I, I think you do run the risk of putting Bailey out there before he's ready and hurting his confidence for the long run. That is 100% true. And anyone who doesn't agree with that is wrong. I'll just come out and say that's wrong. I I still think Garantano went in there too early myself. He was a redshirt freshman at the time, but I don't think he was ready. And you never know in hindsight how much that can affect a guy. I still wonder if he gets to wait till third year, even fourth year before he has to go in there and start full-time, do we see a different guy? I, I just, I think that absolutely is something you have to worry about. Um, but go ahead. You were, you were finishing up. A, a no, it's just, that. you know, I was sports centers on in the background here in Fort, Fort Rooker studio and they just showed the pick six again on sports center. And I just saw it again. And I just, in my head, I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? What the hell? Are well, you doing? well, and, and by the way, that was, a, I thought it was a third down play when we discussed it earlier. It was a second, yeah, it, down it was second, play. second, seven. Yeah. So you didn't have to throw to the end zone there for sure. Even if you thought it's third down, I want to try to score here. It was definitely a throw you don't need to make. So, I get it. Colossal mistake. Otherwise, I thought Garantano did some good things in this game. I thought Absolutely. Tennessee's offense as a whole did some good and, things. And Tennessee, uh, Tennessee should have had a touchdown on that drive before yep. that pass was thrown because I think that's a catch Palmer needs to make. Yep. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that stands out about this game that didn't go right. Palmer, one catch for eight yards. You know, on you, you've six get targets. The ball to him. On six targets. Yeah. And, and then you throw to Hyatt, you have four, target, four targets for Jalen Hyatt, and he gets three catches. Yep, and your leading receiver in terms of yardage is Eric Gray at three for 49. So they spread the ball around a lot, um, through the backs a lot. Ty Chandler also four catches, 37 yards. They did some good things. You know, they went more east to west in the passing game instead of throwing downfield. I still would like to see more shots down the field because I think that's one of the few things Tennessee actually does well is throw the deep ball, especially with Garantano in there. Um, I, you got, I, I, I like the east to west approach a lot of times, but you've got to take some shots. To, to loosen up the defense and to try to hit some of those big plays that you're needing so badly. But, you know, to this, to this decision, you know, again, first of all, if Philip, if Philip Fulmer came out and said anything, how many times have we seen the dreaded vote of confidence and how little it really means? I mean, if you say something with three games left in the season, oh, no, then no, that coach I, probably I, goes out and loses three straight. Does it really matter? If you don't have to do it, if you don't want to do it publicly, um, you, you should at least 
sort of make sure that that message gets out through the proper channels, cough, cough, including us. I mean, you need to, like, we're we're guessing on this, and I, not just guessing, because we're talking to people, but I think that, you know, there there just needs to be, um, I, I think some people, there are some people on the coaching staff probably who would like to hear it a little bit more. Um, because I think maybe some of them are starting to worry a little bit, saying, hey, you know, it, it, are, are we really okay right now? And I, I just think, you know, for everyone's sake, I think if you're you're Tennessee and you're thinking financially, you're thinking big picture, you're thinking everything, you just need to you need to make sure that people are moving forward. And, and I think you got to give them a platform to do that, and I think that would be one way to do it. Well, well, well two things on this. One, I, I think that, that- – I mean, regardless of what's you know said, I, I don't think you can make a decision on that just yet, even though it is a bad year. I think Tennessee absolutely does not want to have to make a coaching change. I think no question. If you ask Philip Fulmer, I think he's telling you the truth, and I think he would say, I absolutely do not want to make a change this year because it's a disaster financially. You've been taking pay cuts throughout the department. Uh, you're looking at laying off employees if yeah. you have anything else go wrong financially. It's, 40, 40, it, again, $40 million in lost revenue yeah. this season approximately. That, that's a it's ton. A, I know everybody's seeing – all the Tennessee fans are saying, hey, if South Carolina's got the money to, to buy out Will Muschamp, Tennessee's got the money to buy out Jeremy Pruitt. And I, I get the mindset, but the reality is it's still tough. So there's that. There's also the fact that it's year three, and firing any coach after year three is not necessarily a great situation. You just gave Jeremy Pruitt an extension and raise. Uh, that didn't make it any uh, any more financially viable to to make a change this year, and you've got uh, I don't you you've got the reputation right now of being a program that's let's face it if it doesn't work work out for Jeremy Pruitt this is three straight coaches that didn't work out in three five and three years that's not a good cycle to be in you need to give you want to have the reputation of giving coaches time to actually build it back and so getting rid of a coach after three years. Not going to help you necessarily and, and, with your candidate. And I'm still, I'm still not anywhere near ready to tell to 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 come out and say that Jeremy Pruitt just just cannot win at Tennessee. Right. I, I am not ready to say that. And I, if I take criticism from that, that's fine. That's fair game. I understand it. But I, I, I've come out and said before when I think a coach, when I say, I, and it's just my opinion. When I say this guy he just cannot win at Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt had never been a head coach before. I know this guy can recruit. I know most of the time that he can develop players and get them better. You know, you're going to break some you're going to break some eggs sometimes. It happens, right? I mean, clearly Tennessee did not handle this year well. It was it's been a weird year and other people handled it better than Tennessee did. And that's the fact. That's the absolute fact. But I'm still not convinced that this guy who's still young, who is still a good recruiter, who still knows football, I I I don't think that that I'm not ready to sit here and say that this guy can't win. I mean, years ago, you know, it wasn't that long ago that guys like this would not be anywhere near the position of being fired. You know, you know, look look at Majors, and I know Majors was a former was a future. Uh, I'm sorry, a former star at Tennessee, beloved. He had just won a national championship at Pitt. He had just come to Tennessee to kind of save the program when it was in a bad spot. Um, but look at his first five or six years. I, I mean, sometimes it just takes time, and and in this era, sometimes guys just don't get that time. But I'm not ready to sit here and say I knew with Butch Jones when I saw it. I said that I just this guy's not going to win at Tennessee. He's not. He's temperamentally unfit to be the coach at Tennessee and be successful. I'm not there with Pruitt. And, and people will go, "What more do you need to see?" Well, I need to see more because I, I'm not ready to say it yet. 
I, and, and I think one of the concerns about whether it will work long-term is the offensive style and philosophy. I do think they need to be more explosive offensively somehow and continue to adapt and, and get maybe a little more modern, I guess you'd say offensively. But I think so much of what the offense, why the offense looks the way it does is because of the quarterback position. If you yes, can get that yes, position yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. That's not, that will, Jim Chaney is not an idiot. Uh, he's he's coached offenses well for years, Ryan. I mean, everybody knows this, right? I mean, it's I don't think it's that they're antiquated offensively. I think it's that they're bad at quarterback, which is still not a good thing for the coaches. Obviously, they got to sign and develop them, but those are different problems. I don't think the staff just can't do it. I think they just they need a better quarterback. Yeah, and and, the, and look, hey, Jim Cheney's offense at Georgia was not necessarily lighting up the world either. So I get, I, I get that. And that's where I have some questions about where, where maybe this offense does need to get a little more, uh, a little more modern. I, it's not, it's not outdated though, or, or completely different from what everybody else is doing. It's just, I think it is a little bit more of a, um, a pro style approach than we see in, in some sure. other offenses these sure. days. So, so yeah, there, there are some things like that they could do differently. And I do wonder about that a little bit long-term, but again, I think this offense would look totally different if they had the quarterback position fixed and if they can figure out the right guy, whether it's Bailey, to, to our point earlier, whether it's Caden Salter next year, uh, whoever it might be, if they can get an answer there, it would change the look of everything. And that, that really, to me, is still the biggest question about Jeremy Pruitt, not if he can get the other stuff right, whether he can get the quarterback and the offense right. And if he can do that, he can probably win quite a, quite a few games at Tennessee. But that's, that's cost him a lot this year. It's going to continue to cost him a lot if they continue to screw it up. So that's the argument, to your point earlier for making the change now because you would, you know exactly what you have in Jared Garantano. There's no more mystery. There's no more doubt. You know what you have there. I'm okay with making a change. And I, for the record, I think I'm with you on this one. I mean, we, we, we made the case for making the change going into the Alabama game last month. Uh, most of us as a staff. So I think we're kind of ready to see something different here. Like most fans are, but at the same time, uh, I'm not, I don't think you can bury Jared Garantano because I think the, the best point for making a change is, we have a pretty good track record of what Garantano does coming off the bench. He did it very well last year. Maybe you start Bailey against Vanderbilt, and if he shows any signs of being in over his head, makes some costly mistakes early, you make the change, you bring in Garantano off the bench, and maybe he plays really well in that role. So I, I, I'm on board. I think, you, I think you do make a change. That's just me. I don't know what the staff's going to do, but, I, I, again, I had to say earlier that I think you do what's going to win you this game because it's not just about not getting fired this year. I think it's about being able to recruit. I think it makes it jo- it makes your job so hard, not just to recruit players, but to recruit other coaches to join this staff. They're wanting to make changes probably this offseason. It's hard to convince coaches to come into a situation where they think you might be on the verge of getting fired in a year. That, that makes things tough. So I don't think you want to lose eight straight games to end the year. I yeah, think you really I, I, need to I, win this game. Ask Mike Bobo how he's feeling about taking that job at South Carolina as the, yeah. as the OC, and now he's the interim head coach and may not be there because the head coach is, is gone. I mean, I, I – 20, 2012 I, I, under Derek Dooley, how do you think they got – I mean, Sal Sanceri was not seen as a bad hire at the time, but how do you think he ended up making that hire as, as defensive coordinator? Because after losing to Kentucky, coaches across the country thought Dooley's in trouble – that's not a great place to go right now. And it made it a tougher job to sell. And so I think Tennessee's in a similar boat. If you lose eight straight to end the year, it makes everything tough for the entire offseason, including fixing whatever problems they might have. So I just think for so many reasons, you need to win this game at Vanderbilt. And if this staff really decides, hey, Garantano gives us our best chance, then I can at least understand that because I know how important this game is. Here's the thing, and, and, and you, we'll end on this on this thought, I guess. You know, Trey Smith after the game. And what, what else would you expect Trey Smith to say, right? I mean, the guy's... 
you know, a class act in every way and, and came out and said, you know what, uh, the culture here needed to be changed. And, and Coach Pruitt, you know, I don't know that three years is enough time to totally change it, but I can tell you that these guys care. Uh, the people in this program care a lot about us, not just as players but as people. And I feel like a lot of good things are happening here, and eventually that's going to, you know, lead to success on the field. You know, that, that that's what you would – that's what you would expect uh, to hear from a guy like Trey Smith, right? Um, but think about that quote. What, what, there was truth in what he said there in that this staff and the people in that program really care about them. And you know, and, and I, we've talked about this before. I've mentioned this, and that's, bef- that, that's one of the reasons why to this point I've been okay with, playing, with, with starting Garantano, e- even though we sort of know what's going to happen I- at times, is because – Jeremy Pruitt works with these guys every day. He, he watches them on film for hours all the time. I mean, he, he watches them in practice. He coaches them up. He knows them personally. He's got to look those players in the eye and tell them, I'm, I'm putting you guys in the best position I can to, you know, for, for us to win games. And if he can look at those guys and say, I still think Jared Garantano gives us the best chance to win football games, and that's really what he believes – then, then he might do that. I mean, he might because he clearly, clearly believes that he wants to put, he, you know, it's like he's not thinking about next year. He's thinking about this game on Saturday, this game coming up, who are the guys I can put in all 22 positions, you know, to give us the best chance to win the game. And that, that, that I understand that. I, I sympathize with that. I really, really do. Um, but I, I, I don't know how... I don't know how you can still look at those guys and say that when we know, you know, this guy might get you to to the water, but you're not going to drink it. He might make dinner, but you're not going to eat it because when you get there, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I, I'm on board with that line of thinking on on Jared Garantano. I, 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 I hate to, you know, again, put it all on him because I don't think Tennessee's problems start and end with him. I think he is. I think the they most, start. I think I, they start there, but they, that's not all of them. Yeah, I, I think I think his is the the problem there is most glaring and the easiest to see because problems at quarterback are always the easiest to see. I think clearly there are plenty of other things Tennessee's not doing all that well or not perfect at. And again, they just have to be so perfect in, in a lot of the things they do because they're having to drive 12, 13 plays, and part of that comes with the limitations they have at quarterback. So. Yes, I'm, I'm absolutely I, – I, I want to see, frankly, what Harrison Bailey can do in a more meaningful situation. We've not seen him play outside the fourth quarter yet, uh, and he hasn't been in a really in a close game. I guess you could say against Arkansas he got a shot, down 11 with plenty of time. There was enough time to come back in that game maybe. But otherwise, we haven't seen him in a really – Get a close game that was in question still, or early enough in the game well, to you're really also, decide the game. Yeah, you're putting him in when you know you got to throw the ball, or or right. you know, or or the the score of the game, and not necessarily how it happened against Arkansas, but the score of the game would dictate. Well, you got to push the ball down the foot, and you got to throw it. Well, let's put him in there when when you got Eric Gray running the ball, you know, in, in a close game too. I mean, let's let's see that. I, and I'll, I'll I'll say this too. I I know this staff doesn't want to have a quarterback on such a tight leash that one mistake means it's the end of his game. But hey, that's how they handled JT Shroud yeah, against that, Kentucky. That's too. how he's been handled um, his entire career with JT Shroud. Yeah. But I will say, after the pick six, I mean, we heard so much going into the game, and at least I did throughout the week, about, you know, this staff almost considering, maybe considering at least a little bit starting Bailey or at least wanting to get him into the game early against Auburn. The fact that that didn't happen, I think, was a result of Garantano playing pretty well and the offense moving the ball 
Sure. But then once you saw things going downhill in the third quarter, like they've done so often for this team lately, why not go ahead and make the change after the pick six? I mean, you're down 10 at that point anyway. See if Bailey can give you a spark while the game's still in question. I, I thought I, I questioned that decision at the time. Uh, may not have made a difference, but at least we could have found out something about him in that spot, and he could have learned some meaningful things instead of just coming in when the game's basically already over. So, um, uh, you know, not not a huge deal probably at the end of the day, but I think it could have maybe given Tennessee enough of a spark to get back in the game. But uh, I, I do think it's probably time for a change. Uh, but, you know, again, I think the important thing is to do it in a way, if you are going to do it, where you're not burying Jarrett Garantano, you're letting him know, hey, there's a good chance we still will need you. Um, Tennessee fans, you probably haven't seen the last of him one way or the other, if I had to guess. I think he'll probably play again at some point the rest of the way. But, um, yeah, it's reached a point where, you know, again, you, you kind of just have to try something different probably. Um, although, again, I'm allowing for the possibility that maybe that gets put, put off for a week because – I mean, not, not, that's you, not that you want to give a guy his first career start against Florida the next week because that's not a great spot either. But I think you got to win Vanderbilt somehow or another. Just figure out a way to get through that one, and then you can start thinking about the future to me. I mean, hey, they played better in every way, basically, than they did against Arkansas. But, you know, yeah. the, the competition was better and uh, didn't, didn't make the plays. I think we can leave it there, Ryan, unless you got anything else. No, that's it. Just uh, – Crazy that we're talking a 464-yard performance and a 13-point Tennessee loss. I would definitely not have guessed that. So many stats from this game just do not make sense. But you know what? 2020 doesn't make sense. And uh, for, for a while now, Tennessee football has not made sense. So really, the bottom line here, boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen, uh, is that nothing ever makes sense. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Wes. You know what does make sense, though? is GoVols247.com. How about that for a segue? Guys, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee News, you can get that all the time at Twitter.com slash GoVols247 or Facebook.com slash GoVols247. Or if you want that delicious East Tennessee Mountain, Smoky Mountain, spring water just right from the tap go to goballs247.com the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to talk Tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting basketball starts in three days guys three days basketball starts also baseball news Lady Vols news where Marie Cornelius does an excellent job excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us got a couple of forums on there to talk Tennessee sports 24-7 also you can go to the, the checkerboard for for men's sports discussion and uh, also the summit for women's sports discussion and also off-topic stuff on both boards too it's a water cooler uh, it's a good place to uh, enjoy wins uh, to commiserate losses and to uh, just keep up with friends it's a it's a socially distanced world we're living in right now, but uh, we have a we have a strong community there on GoVols 24-7 and a lot of people doing a lot of things to help each other out in a tough year. So come be a part of it. Come be a part of it. Always good deals going on, always good times to join the site, but if you already pay us full price, which is still less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access. CBS is a streaming platform. Every show CBS has ever made commercial-free new movies in every single month. Live sports, Tennessee sports, SEC sports, college football, college basketball, NCAA tournament, March Madness, Tennessee basketball. Uh, also, NFL stuff on there all the time. Also, uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff, all kinds of other interesting 
uh, sports going on there all the time and and stuff from Comedy Central, great channel, stuff from MTV, BET, and for the kids, you got stuff from Nickelodeon and Smithsonian Channel. That's a $100 plus annual value that we give you for free. No one else can do that. I say this every episode. No one else can offer you a deal like that. We can. It is so hard to find a good deal right now, but that is a great, great deal. So go check that out. Also, please go in, take a second, please rate and review this podcast. Please, I should have mentioned that earlier. Please, please subscribe to this podcast. I see the numbers. They're great. They're awesome. Uh, But one thing y'all can do to really help us out is if you go in there and rate and review this podcast, hit the subscribe button and uh, tell your friends about it too. We're we're growing at a rapid rate and uh, it's going to keep happening. Big, big things coming for this podcast and we are really happy that y'all are here uh, with us. And if you don't hear anything else from us, uh, you should hear from us, I'm guessing, at the latest by, oh, let's say Monday. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.